0: I want to say that if you had asked me when I started Women in Trucking in 2007 that we would have 8000 members in 10 countries and and on the board of directors names like Walmart and Daimler and you know Great Dane and it just I I just, I look at the board and I think, wow, these big companies are committed to gender diversity and they're supporting the mission of women in trucking. And to have over 8,000 people out there writing a check every year and paying dues because they support our mission, that to me is just...
1: Hey everyone and welcome to our podcast, Caution Wide Right. I'm Luke, your host, and with me today is the one and only founder of the Women in Trucking organization, Ellen Voya. Ellen is an internationally recognized speaker and authority on gender diversity and inclusion for women in transportation. She started Women in Trucking in 2007 after decades in the transportation industry and saw it grow from hundreds to now over 8,000 members across 10 countries. Uh, Women in Trucking basically represents women that, as Ellen likes to say, design the trucks, build the trucks, buy the trucks, sell the trucks, own the trucks, fix the trucks, and drive the trucks. And I'm sure you can include the brokers, the insurance agents, the safety and compliance, human resources, and so much more involved. Uh, So Ellen, welcome to the podcast.
0: Well, thanks so much for that introduction, Luke. You did your homework very
1: well. Well, and we can go on and on about your background. And honestly, it could have been the whole hour of the time we we have. But I I do want to change things up a little bit. Um, I also know that you recently retired from uh, uh, women in trucking, specifically as the president and CEO, albeit still involved in different roles. This is alongside the retirement of Char, who helped you build the organization from the very beginning. And with both of you backing away from the day to day, I'm just curious what stories you have of of the two of you that sort of jump into memory from over the years.
0: Uh, You know, I was always the, the idea person. So I'd come up with these ideas, like I, um, I'd see, like, at Women in Aviation, I'd see them have a gathering, and they'd give them all the same color T-shirts. And so I told Char, I said, I want to do that in trucking. I want to have a salute to women behind a wheel. And she said, okay, but we have to have chocolate." because it is women in trucking so um, it was her idea to have a chocolate fountain and so every year at oh, our wow. to, yeah every year at our salute to women behind the wheel we've had a chocolate fountain but so I'd come up with these ideas and she would implement them and she would make the vision a reality so but she's very detail organized or detail oriented and organized and I wasn't so we made a great team
1: <laughs> And now stepping away uh, you know sort of the next chapter for women in trucking, I'm just curious, how does that future look? Of course, you're gonna have it in good hands. Uh, how's, how's it gonna look?
0: Well, over the years, um, this last 16 years, every time we would bring on some new staff people, I would give, I would, shed some of the duties that I didn't like to do. Okay, so I, am like I said, I'm the idea person. I do not like spreadsheets. I do not like key performance indicators. I do not like budgets. I do not like that part. I just want to talk about how to get more women in transportation careers. And so over the years I've delegated uh, those things. And so now, I mean, towards the end, my job was managing an organization, but really going out and speaking. I, I speak at a lot of events I have about, yes six or seven events just in October um, where I'm speaking. And that's what I love to do. So the retirement part of it meant turning over the management of the organization, but I'm still doing the speaking and the presenting and and things like that because I still have that passion. Um, And the new CEO has a background in association management, which means she knows how to run an association but my background's in trucking and the people in trucking, and that's where my passion lies.
1: And I'm curious, there is a video of you online back in 2010 at uh, the Great American Truck Show, getting a tattoo, uh, and, and you mentioned in the video that you, hey, jokingly saying that if you hit 2,000 uh, members that maybe you'd add on to that. Now with 8,000, did you ever do any other uh, additions to, the, uh, to a tattoo uh, with, the, with the other milestones?
0: You know, you're right. Um, I did make that comment that when we hit a thousand members, I'd get the tattoo. I still have the tattoo. Um, and, you know, we always tried to think, what could I do differently? I've already done skydiving and, you know, things like that. So it's like, yep. you know, we would brainstorm, like, what could we do as a publicity stunt, but yes. didn't really follow up on that other than, um, you know, uh, I-, I guess, my the goal was to have a conference and last um, last year we yes. had almost 1800 at our conference so I really should do something celebratory um, to you know I, I don't know I, I I haven't I have to come up with some ideas I guess
1: Well if you hit 10,000 maybe make the new the new president uh,
0: <laughs> have to do it <laughs> <laughs> exactly
1: uh, so a little bit more about your background. I was curious, obviously you've talked about it before a little bit, but your master's thesis in the 90s was about the complex identities of women married to professional truck drivers. And in it, you say that women uh, married to truck drivers are very independent. And when their husbands come home from on the road, that they have to switch and adapt to become a couple again. I'm just curious, among the eight women that you interviewed for your thesis, is there a story that specifically stands out to you today, or even that one that maybe you relate to the most?
0: There is one very, very powerful story. Um, a woman who had, I think, six or seven children, and I asked her, I, I said, what do you do when you're missing your husband? And she said, I sit down and I hug my kids. And I said, is that why you had so many kids? And she goes, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, like a light bulb went on like she was filling a space um with her by having more kids because she missed her husband and yeah it, it hit us both it's like wow um i mean you you fill the space with something you know for me it was going to college i mean it it took me 13 years to finish my my bachelor's and my masters because i had I was raising two children. I was consulting, running a small company with my former husband. You know, I mean, I just it it was it took me a long time to finish. Um, But uh, yeah, I think that was my where I was filling my space. But she she realized when I was interviewing her for the thesis that that's how she was filling her space for loneliness.
1: Well, honestly, I was reading it over and I could relate to it a lot because I grew up in the military. And so my mom, uh, you know, my dad was gone all the time, special forces especially. So he was gone for deployment or, uh, you know, being TDY, uh, especially when we were very young. Uh, newborns, uh, my sister was a toddler. And my mom's a superhero. She had to deal with that, you know, by herself, uh, especially, you know, moving away from family. She didn't really have a family ba- uh, a group every once in a while they'd come over kind of a thing but um but you know there's the the women's spouses club in the military and i'm curious does does women in trucking have part of that role for for that stay at home uh, you know the family behind the trucking industry
0: women in trucking doesn't but i used to belong to an organization um uh, that catered to women married to yeah. professional drivers um, is called a trucker's wife, and we would have a okay. conference, and um, it was a support net. But I have to tell you, it's it's when I did my thesis, you know, my professors told me come up with some new knowledge, and I did have to study MIA, um, POWs, military, and also commuting spouses. Yeah. Um, but the difference between military and commuting, as opposed to trucking, is there's an end typically, you know, where. Sure you know especially with commuter couples they end up either getting married or or changing jobs um and in the military the eventual goal is to have the person back home but which doesn't always happen you know so it could be similar but the biggest challenge is the the returning spouse and in in my thesis it was a male it was the men Um, but when they come back knowing where they fit in and one of the struggles one of the truck driver's wives had was her husband would come home after be gone and he her teenage daughter would do something he'd say well you're grounded for two weeks okay then he'd go back on the road guess what mom did ungrounded her immediately because she had to drive the younger sister around so by him grounding her um it actually added an extra burden on mom and so i mean it it knowing where they fit in was off, often a struggle because like I said in the thesis, they're one person, she's one person when he's home, she's part of a couple and she's not, um, she's very independent and you know self-sufficient when he's on the road. And I'll tell you one other story that I remember so, um, it, it really hurt. Um, it happened to be a rare Sunday when my former husband went to church with me because um, typically he was on the road and yeah. this this couple came up to us and said oh hey why don't you join our couple's bible study and and he just goes well i can't I, i'm a truck driver and they turned and walked away oh. and, left, and left me just standing there and i thought well nobody asked i, I didn't fit in i wasn't right. a couple but yet i wasn't single so when i go out with my single friends no I'm i'm not single i'm married but, and I'm part of a couple, but you guys are all single and, you know, it, it, you didn't really fit in, um, right. in, in that environment. So I, my heart goes out to anyone who has a spouse that's away from home for any length of time, cause it's not easy.
1: Yeah. And I'm curious. So after 16 years with women in trucking, obviously there's more and more women involved, especially on the driving side and sort of maybe that role flips a bit. The, the women's out on the road, maybe the, the spouse that has, you know, is at home. If you were to rewrite the thesis today or if you were to include the other side of the coin the woman coming home how would you see what would be similar what would be different about it
0: Well the similar would be the spouse the returning spouse knowing where to fit in but what would right. be different is what you know, like stay-at-home dads have a tough job because they're mingling with the stay-at-home moms, you know, and, and do they fit in at a Girl Scout camp? Do they fit in, you know, at uh, toddler time? You know, I mean, so they're even going to have a more, because it's a different role, um, Mm -hmm. if if it's the dad at home with the family and the mom out on the road, or the mom in the military, or the mom, you know, commuting. So, uh, you know, it's going against people's stereotypes. So they have an added burden on there, on
1: them. And you mentioned uh, the Girl Scouts. I know that you were a part of uh, getting the transportation patch started. I'm just curious the story behind that and, uh, and how that's going. I, and actually, once I heard about it, I'm like, I'm going to definitely start it up. My daughter's in Girl Scouts. And so I'm like, I'm definitely going to try to get the, our company to get that set up because we could totally do that.
0: Well, and it's a great publicity and PR event. So I, I found out that the Boy Scouts had a transportation patch. And so I checked with the Girl Scouts and they said, no, we don't supply chain. And so at the time, my board chair served on the Greater Chicago, Northern Indiana region for Girl Scouts. And so we created the curriculum. We had someone design the patch. Um, and over about 1400 girls now have uh, now earned that patch. So we have the curriculum. We even have an activity book that's called Scouting for Cookies. And it talks about how the grain goes from the field to the bakery in a truck, bakery to packaging in a truck, packaging to you know warehousing or whatever. And who's the final mile? The Girl Scout. And the goal of that book is so um, Girl Scouts will look at a truck and say, that could be my milk in there that that could be the grain for my cookies that could be you know whatever um we want them to have a personal relationship with the trucks on the road because anyone in the trucking industry knows that most people don't think about trucks all they do is see them as uh yeah. in the way on the highway and they don't think about them and people tell me that over and over they don't think about trucks they're the biggest silent you know industry in the world and the only time they think about trucks is that either if a truck's in an accident um, or if it's in their way on a, on the road, you know, I mean, they really don't think about trucks on a day-to-day basis. So that was the goal was to make young girls, girl scouts look at trucks and think also maybe I could do that job.
1: Yeah. And I just had uh, Ron with transport for Christ and uh, two Christian authors come on uh, who just wrote a book and I sort of, you know, we, we've talked about sort of the balance between their book and, and the realities of trucking and why they need the book, but they, they, they said the same thing. Their eyes were open to not just, yeah, the drivers driving down the road, but the things that they have to deal with from coming back home, uh, the, the lifestyle is, is totally foreign to them and, uh, and boy, did they learn a lot, but it's definitely, uh, I mean, that's totally the, the unspoken thing is the, the perspective of the industry. I'm, I mean, one of the benefits with with COVID was there was a little bit of recognition to uh, making sure the drivers come. You know, the toilet paper shortage and things like that. But um, I mean, it's so quickly they forget.
0: <laughs> yeah, look, I want to I want to add something. Uh, people outside the industry have a different perception of the industry, and they don't have the respect for drivers being a, a skilled uh, profession. But oh. also. I will tell you that when, you know, being in a trucking family and the driver is gone, and at that time it was weeks at a time, five or six weeks at a time, people assume that he's cheating and that we have an unhappy marriage. They just assume that. So one of the things that my professors told me, they said, figure out what couples, successful married couples in long distance relationships have um, and it's not time and distance apart. And you know what it is? Values. Right. Uh, you, you could be in a nine to five office job and be home every night and still cheat. So, you oh. know, I mean, they, they think that, you know, the industry has this perception that, you know, drivers just aren't it, like it's a second profession or that something they're falling back on. We need to change that. We need to you know, but drivers need to also help us do that by dressing, totally. professionally, you know, yeah. and, and acting professionally. So by adding more women in the industry, I believe we're elevating the image of the profession because people are looking at the industry and saying, wow, women can do this job and women can do this well.
1: I completely agree. That's well put. Um So. Uh, you mentioned women in trucking. It was started when uh, you know you were getting your pilot license, and there was a a, f- a flight or a women in in flight uh, aviation organization, but there wasn't one for trucking. I'm curious from the pilot background, and of course, you know you mentioned as you were uh, you know retiring from women in trucking, you get to maybe be in your plane a little bit more often or more opportunities. I'm curious. What is more difficult, a pre-trip inspection for a truck or the pre-flight takeoff routine uh, for a plane?
0: More difficult in the truck, uh, pre-trip inspection, because you're sharing the road with, you know, uh, brake lines and and broken, you know, cracked or broken uh, lug nuts or things like that, uh, air brakes and things like that, people are around you. And if, if a tire blew or something, you could, you know, jeopardize people on the highway, but in the air, it's you. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, So, I mean, I, the other thing is, you know, you always hear about checklists. We have checklists. Um, and even though I've been flying since 2008, I still use my checklist, uh, for flying. Yeah. I, where I think a lot of drivers, they memorize it, but you don't want to get sloppy, but for flying, you can't get sloppy. You can't miss something. You can't have the wheel chocks on there. You can't forget that the you know uh, the flaps are down or something like that. You you really have to go through the checklist and make sure that you've checked everything before you take off.
1: Totally, totally. And you know you have your CDL, you have your uh, aviation license, and you have your motorcycle license. I'm curious which was hardest to get. Oh boy. For you.
0: The, the pilot's <laughs> license. The pilot's license. And it uh, to be honest with Longer. you Longer it all happened in one year it was just wow uh, well to me uh, my pilot's license i had started and i'd gone through a year and then i moved um oh. and i got set back and i had to re you know get, get re-acclimated so um the pilot's license really took three years from start to finish even though there was a year in there where i wasn't applying so um that one it, it, i got in october of 2008 and then I went to truck driving school in December of 2008. And so that's when I thought, well, I might as well get my motorcycle license if I can fly an airplane and you know drive a tractor trailer. So I did that in the spring um, and it was all the year I turned 50. So my daughter is like, are you OK, mom? You know, are you trying to mark things off your bucket list or whatever? But it just happened to fall into that that you know that year and so then a friend of mine wanted me to go skydiving a group of us and so we did i took my first jump on mother's day and jumped two weeks later oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know by that time my daughter was in college and it was like yep. you know I, I can do this i can go have fun now
1: yep whether you call it a midlife crisis the empty nest syndrome uh
0: <laughs> just <Exactly>. having fun <laughs> it, it, exactly and I, I i do not drive um, I do have a CDL. I kept my CDL, but I do fly. Uh, in fact, I might go flying this afternoon. It's a beautiful day in Wisconsin. So, and I bought a house real close to the airport so I can actually watch airplanes take off and land all day.
1: And I'm curious if you had a CDL, what would your CD hand or CDL handle be? Uh, and, uh, or call sign. I don't know if you have a specific call sign for you, for your plane, but do you have a call sign or what would your CB, CB handle be?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I did have a CB handle.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, and, and it I went to broadcasting school in high school, or just after high school, so my CB handle was Ohio DJ, because I was a disc jockey in Ohio, uh, Salina, Ohio. But I'll tell you a quick story about my plane. So everyone said, you know, you have to name your plane, right? And my plane has gold and black stripes. So I was visiting relatives in Norway, um, Arendal, Norway, and they said, oh, you should come out and see our new airport, but it's got the weirdest name. And I said, well, what's the name of the airport? And they said, Golkenup, which means gold button. And oh. and I thought, wow, that's it. That's the name of my plane is Gulknup. And my daughter bought a decal that goes on the tail and it just says Gulknup. And everyone's like, what does that mean? I said, it means gold <laughs> button, you know, so it's, it, I love it. My airplane's called Gulknup.
1: That's awesome, that's gold awesome. Button. Yeah. <laughs> Well, since we're asking rapid fire questions, I'll ask you one more. Uh, what is your favorite trucking movie or movie with trucks in it?
0: Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite. I, I, I'll tell you what. I enjoyed Thelma and Louise oh, but, yeah? uh, because a friend of mine was the semi-driver driver the stunt man in that movie. So oh, wow. Mike Ryan. Yeah. And uh, when I was on the trucker buddy, when I worked for trucker buddy, he was on the board of directors. So, so I knew that he was the driver in that movie. Um, but, but it's got a bad ending. So I don't know that it would be a favorite movie, but
1: <laughs> yeah. And I always like to mention, like I, I trip up people. They think the trucking movies specifically, but I'm like, I mean, you got the matrix where they're on the back of the trucks doing all kinds of cool stuff, you know, racing movies where they're going underneath trucks I mean, hopefully that doesn't happen in real life, but...
0: (laughs) You know, the trucks that are depicted in movies like Duel, those are scary. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe Smoking Abandoned, maybe, how's that
1: one for us? That's perfect, perfect. (laughs) And you mentioned Trucking Buddy, and I'm curious, uh, so in 2000, you served on the board of directors for them, um, and it's a pen pal program for professional drivers. I'm curious, did you have a pen pal during that time, and do you still talk to anyone uh, pen pal wise uh, today
0: actually um, I didn't have the pen pal I I, I was the coordinator the yep. executive director and Shar worked with me there at oh, buddy. cool. and I still stay in touch with some of the teachers yeah so yeah we made friends and I know that chucker buddy is struggling right now and I hope that they get can get it back off the ground um, but I made some great friends in fact a lot of the drivers, are still friends with me. I still know a lot of drivers from the trucker buddy program. So shout out to all the drivers out there.
1: Totally. And women in trucking has a mentorship program. I'm just curious, does your time at trucker buddy sort of did that grow into sort of the mentorship program for you or how did that get started?
0: Well, the mentorship program really didn't have anything to do with trucker buddy, but it, it it's very important because there's so many young women coming in this industry, whether they're engineers or um, dispatchers or drivers or mechanics, you know, diesel techs. Um, they want to talk to someone who's already done that. In fact, yeah, uh, this week I, oh. I was in Phoenix, and there was a woman who who took over her family's trucking company, and she said. I want to talk to someone who's done that. And I said, Oh yeah, these are five of my friends who took over their dad's trucking companies and their women. So, I mean, it's, it's great to have someone that you can who went before you and you can ask them questions and, and say, so how did you deal with this? How do you establish credibility when you're the daughter of the owner?
1: Totally. And so you mentioned one, I'm just curious, is there other sort of stories, success stories that come to mind when you think about the program?
0: Oh, the mentoring program, the mentorship program. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I've been contacted by women all over the world. A woman in Poland started a logistics company. Uh, we have a, a woman in, um, in Ghana, Africa, started awesome. a, a fuel delivery company. She even came to our conference. So giving them access to someone who might have done the job before and maybe has some insight is, is so helpful.
1: And so with the mentorship program, I know on your website, you mention, um, you know, the, the women in trucking website mentions that since the Me Too movement, oftentimes many men in the trucking industry might fear or concern about mentoring a woman, uh, that they're, you know, in close proximity. I'm just curious, how do you suggest to men to mentor women in the industry so they feel safe and heard?
0: Great question. Um, Visibility and transparency. So uh, if you're going to have lunch with someone, invite someone with. Uh, If you're going to travel with someone, um, make sure that you are being upfront and, you know, setting boundaries. Uh, But men need to mentor women, especially in a male populated environment where there's a lot of men who have gone before us. But uh, you just have to set boundaries and make sure that the boundaries are being met. I'll tell you a quick, funny story. Um, there, one of the, uh, women that I, um, interviewed for my thesis, her husband was a trainer at a trucking company and he would call her before he would train a female and he would have her come in and have lunch. And she got to give the thumbs up or thumbs down. And if she said, no, she's not going with you. He wouldn't take her. And the company was okay with that. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, Yeah, that's that's cool. Um, So women in trucking today, you know, over 16 years, the mission statement for women in trucking has never changed. And uh, like the three missions are encourage employment for women in trucking, address obstacles and uh, celebrate success. So I'm just curious, starting with the first one, encouraging employment. A lot of statistics, especially you guys are starting uh, started a lot of those statistics, uh, you know, the tracking, the surveying and things like that. What's the latest employment statistics look like today uh, and over the years?
0: So it actually went from 13.7 two years ago to 12, uh, just under 13 this year. Part of that was due to the economy. Uh, A lot of women are in a team configuration with a husband or spouse or someone else. And so when miles are down and rates are down and, you know, then one of them might go back home and get a job. So slightly down. But I, I think that will reverse itself. That also happened during COVID when the percentage yeah. of women in the industry dropped. But it's gone dramatically. I mean, there weren't really there weren't there weren't good statistics uh back you know 20 years ago, but I've been told it was about three percent. And I believe that. So we're if we're at 13% female drivers, which is over the road, then we're doing really good. What I'm really happy to see lots more women in safety careers, yeah. lots more women as dispatchers. And I mentioned uh, before the show that we have a Women in Tracking Scholarship Foundation. We give scholarships in four areas, and one of them is a safety area, one is a diesel tech, one is driver, and then one we loosely define as leadership, which means anyone working in the industry who wants to advance their career can apply for scholarship. So, it's, it's a separate corporation from the the association, the association is what we call a trade professional organization, and right. the foundation is actually a charity. So, um, two separate boards, two separate sets of management. But I founded both of them. So, awesome, awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so your second mission,
1: addressing obstacles. Um, obviously, safety uh, was is always the the biggest one. Uh, I think you mentioned before that the the average was like four point four was sort of the average of feeling safe in the industry. How does that look today, and how are things um, addressing the safety?
0: So we, need, we still need to go further on safety, and that means safety at the truck stops. It means safety, you know, is the driver uh, the, the captain of the ship? In other words, if they say, well, there's a there's a protest there, or there's a tornado or a hurricane or a snowstorm, I don't want to go there. Does the company say, that's fine, you make that call because it's your life? Or does the company yeah. say, this is trucking? So that's a part of it. And then um, the inspection or the uh the maintenance of the equipment is very important because unsafe equipment you know broken down equipment is not safe and so you'll see what i hear anecdotally that female drivers actually look up the safety scores of a company before they go there and so, you know, they're they're looking for a company that cares about their safety, their personal awesome. safety. So yeah. that's one of the obstacles. Another obstacle is we work with the truck manufacturers on truck cab design and ergonomics, and they will tell you that in the past they designed trucks for men. Well, now we're sending women to their factories. They're doing measurements on women. They're making sure that women are as comfortable in the cab of a truck as men, which means seeing over the dash, being able to see the mirrors, uh, reaching the pedals, you know, things like that. Uh, which you, I've heard so many stories of women having to sit on pillows or put blocks on their, you know, pedals or whatever. And that's, that's changing because they're making it more um, adaptable. So those, and then something as simple as making sure that women get uniforms that fit them, women's cut uniforms. And yep. when I stand up in front of trucking companies and, and I'll even say, Hey, you know, if it's a conference and I'll say, so you guys have a golf outing? They're like, yeah. And I said, do you have, men's polos and women's polos or or t-shirts or whatever and they're like oh no we just have men's and like yep. women are expected to wear the men's shirts <laughs> so a company that is very sensitive and wants to be more gender diverse will take that into consideration and be the first to say we're ordering women's shirts
1: and does women in trucking get involved a lot with sort of the legislation legislative process so like uh, I know truck parking is a big issue right now and there's an important piece, uh, for, for women to be involved in that discussion. Uh, and there's also like the bathroom bills, whether it's a a federal bill or state by state, I'm curious, how are you guys involved on the legislative side of things?
0: So typically we didn't get involved legislatively because we have both drivers and carriers that are members. But if there's something that all of our members would agree on, which the restroom access bill, how can you not support a restroom access bill? Truck parking, our, our aspect will be safety. As far as parking and that's the you know but the restroom access bill research from american transportation research institute found that female commercial drivers were 83 percent more likely to be detained six hours or more so think about that as far as access to a restroom at a warehouse Um, and i have to mention they're not detained because they're women they're detained because they're not going in there pounding on the, you know they're they're being nice and so we're telling female drivers go, it's okay to be assertive. It's okay to say, come on, I got a load to catch. So let's get, you know, let's get me out of here so that women are not detained longer than men.
1: Totally. Um, and then I know, uh, you know, a lot of involvement, um, with like human trafficking. Um, I'm curious on the, the education side with that. Um, there's a lot, there's a couple other organizations too. I, I think that you're a part of as well. Um, How's over the years, how has that been improving on that education and that uh, understanding?
0: Well, so we support truckers against trafficking, great organization, but you might hear women say that they'll be stopped at a truck stop, especially in the past. You know, why are you here and show me your CDL to show me you're really a driver. Women shouldn't have to show their CDL to show that they're really a driver. But we, we support truckers against trafficking and um, have them, you know, at any event that we have, we give them a booth. But we did a lip balm campaign with them a number of years ago where they took 25 of our female drivers and trained them in identifying human trafficking. And then we gave them lip balm. And so, cause our female drivers have access to the female victims of human trafficking in maybe a restroom at a truck stop. So they could give the lip balm, um, it wasn't, highly successful, but I think that's because, uh, our female drivers typically don't, they know which truck stops have a lot of that kind of activity and they stay away from truck stops that have negative activity. So I think, I think they were avoiding places where that kind of, you know, that was occurring. And so they didn't have access as much as access as we thought they would have.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and then, so the third piece of your mission was celebrating success. And I'm curious, I, w- I would like to hear one story of uh, a historical past success in the transportation industry and one, maybe a recent one um, that sticks to your mind.
0: So one, uh, we have our influential woman in trucking and we also have a distinguished woman in logistics. We started a driver of the year, that's only about three years old, but a story. Uh, so we bring the influential women in trucking and have them serve on a panel and share their insight at our conference. And one of them was a woman um, from Packard, and she shared that she was an engineering, I think, um, or tech, anyway, a very high level executive. And she shared that when she got pregnant, her boss called and said, well, I assume you're quitting. And just made that assumption. And she said, why would I quit? And he goes, well, you, you have a child, you need to raise your family. And things are changing, but sometimes people still think that women with young children need to stay home. And that that's a misconception, especially for the driver population. You know, it's like, if you have a family yeah. member who is a caregiver, you know, you can do this job.
1: Totally. So you, you've mentioned it a couple times, Accelerate is the conference that Women in Trucking has each year, uh, it started in 2015. You mentioned that last November it had like 1,750 attendees, hopefully over 2,000 this year. Um, and it's got, uh, it's going to be in November, November 5th through 8th in Dallas, Texas, and there's 70 plus, uh, educational sessions and, um, tons of people there. Uh, so it's a great, great thing to get plugged into. Do you have a topic that you'll be chatting about?
0: No, actually, um, believe it or not, I'm not going. (laughs) (laughs) So if
1: you did though, what would you, what would you want to talk about? What would you address?
0: talk about attracting and retaining female drivers and all the data that I have, but I have to tell you, I, I'm not going because I think it would be very difficult to watch someone else up on stage at an event that was mine. So I'm, I'm going to let her, the new CEO is Jennifer Hedrick, uh, let her be front and center and let her, you know, run things the way she wants to run them without me looking over her shoulder.
1: What's some of the best memories you have from the conferences over the years?
0: Oh, boy, you know, everybody, It this is going to be uh, egotistical, but people stop me all the time. and want to get their picture taken with me and it just blows my mind. It's like, I, I don't know why you want your picture with me. You know, it's just a conference, but I love it, I mean, and, and I love it when people come up to me and tell me that, Ellen, I learned this from you, or I learned that from you, and the favorite thing that I, that I love the most when I give a presentation or a speech, I want people to say, I hadn't thought about that. I want to make them think about things and look at things in a different way, and yeah. that's my goal.
1: Awesome. Um, so moving forward, I know you're still going to continue your uh, podcast or your radio, uh, your radio show. Uh, and I'm just curious, um, what are the things are you going to be doing moving forward? Uh, I, I know grandchildren are around and, uh, you know, there's a lot of organizations you've been a part of before. Are you still involved in some of those other things? What's it look like?
0: so yeah my daughter and her husband had their third child just a few weeks ago uh so that's going to be i she calls me and i get to go and cuddle (laughs) uh and and so and then fly my airplane i also in addition to the speaking that i'm doing um my goal is to take my 44 years of industry expertise, and that's everything from regulatory, from licensing and permitting in the past when I was a consultant, yeah. to being a shipper, to being you know, a more in the gender diversity side of it. You hear DE&I initiatives all the time. I wanna take that knowledge and still give it back to the industry by serving on corporate boards. And mm-hmm. so I have been actively reaching out and saying, is their position. I know that you're, you know, they're trying to add more women on boards, especially in the transportation industry. I'd be happy to serve in that capacity. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm, that way I can still use my brain <laughs> and, and give back to the industry. So that's kind of my goal is to keep speaking for women in trucking. I'll keep my radio show on SiriusXM, XM, which is Saturday mornings, and then um, serve on some corporate boards.
1: Awesome. And, you know, obviously, you know, looking at like my our YouTube statistics, obviously, the subscribers or the viewers are still 90% or 95% men. Um, what, since that's the typical audience, even today, what are some of the thoughts? What What do you want to mention to the, the, the men in the trucking industry in, in reference to women in trucking?
0: be allies. I want the men to be allies. And 15% of our members are men who join because they support our mission, but I need men to be supportive and don't treat women any differently, but think it could be your your mom, your sister, your aunt, your grandma and treat them with respect because the number one place where female drivers are harassed is truck stops by other drivers. So any driver out there, please treat women with respect and we won't have we could get rid of a lot of the negative image of our industry if everyone treated each other with respect.
1: Uh that's true in every, every industry. <laughs>
0: it's right. Especially male populated uh, industries, you know, things oh, like yeah. construction and trucking and things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I'm excited. You know, I have a daughter in, you know, just seeing, I mean, like you've mentioned, people come up to you and thanking you and wanting to get autographs, and you're successful in your career, even a male-dominated career, and I'm so excited for role models like you that, like my daughter, your grandkids can see, and, and uh, you know the stories being told that are on the website, You know, continue to push those. I'm, I'm, I'm just super excited to, to continue seeing that, uh, and we'll do our part to continue to spread that message as well
0: follow women in trucking on social media, everything, you know, in all social media areas, we have a very strong um, presence. We also have a newsletter and a magazine and we do webinars. And I would just say, you know, if you support the mission of gender diversity in the trucking industry, and when I say trucking, uh, you know, as you said at the beginning, it's all women in the industry uh, who work brokers, trucking, warehousing, everything. We need to support each other, but we also need men who support the mission as well. So the website is womenintrucking.org.
1: Ellen, thank you again so much for joining me today. Like and subscribe this video so her, her message can get out. Go follow them on YouTube. Go give a like and subscribe on their social media. Uh, join the newsletter. Join the association and uh, be a part. Be involved. That's the the most important piece here. Is uh, continuing to spread the word. Get them from eight thousand to a hundred thousand uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and uh, if if there's any questions or uh, you know comments that you have down below for Ellen, uh, we'll pass them on and and try to answer them as best as possible. But uh, with that. And as always, stay safe out there.